Welcome to the Maria Liberati Show, where food meets art, travel, and life. So what does food mean to you? This week, my special guest is Matthew Gray. Matthew is an author, a celebrity chef. He's cooked for some of the world's most famous rock bands. And he's also a Hawaiian foodie expert, and he's going to be sharing some of his story with us. And also, it's October and it's Italian Heritage Month and I will be sharing a story, an excerpt actually, from my latest book, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking, Diaries seasons and this is an excerpt it's actually a september 29th that i spent in italy and it's a visit to a little town in the mountains of the region of lazio it's a little town called sant'anatolia and i share my experience there and a recipe for a serpent shaped cookie all in honor of italian heritage month so stay with me And as promised, here's an excerpt from my book, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking Diaries, Seasons. And this is an excerpt from a trip I took on a September 29th in Italy. It's actually a blog entry. And uh, you can find this book anywhere books are sold online. And it's about a trip to a little town called Sant'Anatolia in the mountains. And that's the title of uh, this blog entry. High up on a hill lies the beautiful town of St. Anatolia. My trip here to see my friend the Contessa on a crisp fall day was an experience in tranquility. This medieval town boasts 384 inhabitants and seems to welcome you as you enter the sanctuary of St. Anatolia and are entranced by the church's charming beauty. As you walk through, you can't help but be overwhelmed by the view of the mountains and the little houses that dot the landscape. So I should also mention that when you enter this little town, you have to enter it through the church of Sant'Anatolia. Eating all'aperto or in the open was a true feast for the senses, the food, the wine, the view, the air. It's not easy to concentrate on conversation as the beauty of the Bella Vista beckons. Our yearly visit ended with espresso and a sweet dessert. Fall is the best time of the year to visit Santa Anatolia, in my opinion. The sun still shines down on the little hamlet like a spotlight right before the winter air arrives. And here's a recipe for the traditional Serpentoni Alamanderle de Sant Anatolia de Borgarosa. It's the almond serpent of Saint Anatolia of Borgarosa. This recipe is the traditional recipe made during the festivities to honor the martyr Saint Anatolia. It's held every year in this town of Saint Anatolia de Borgarosa on July 10th. Make this in the form of a serpent. It makes 15 to 20 cookies. Prep is about 15 minutes. The cooking time is about 30 to 40 minutes. So here's the ingredients. One teaspoon of vanilla extract, one teaspoon of lemon zest, 
six tablespoons of butter or half a cup of skim milk, four cups of whole almonds peeled and chopped finely, four egg whites, two cups of sugar, juice of one lemon, two coffee beans, and one candied cherry. So actually this makes one serpent shaped long cookie and that is where you get the 15 to 20 servings from this and the coffee grains and the cherry well the coffee grains are going to use be used to make the eyes of the serpent and the cherry is going to be used to make make something that looks like the tongue of a serpent so here's the directions you're going to place the chopped almonds in a bowl add in sugar lemon juice and egg whites blend that well and uh, you could actually put that in the food processor cover place that in the refrigerator for t about 12 hours preheat the oven to 350 degrees and line a cookie sheet with parchment paper remove the dough from the refrigerator and form it into a spiral like serpent Decorate the head using the two grains of coffee or the two coffee beans for eyes and a piece of candied cherry as the tongue. Bake this for 30 to 40 minutes, remove from the oven, let cool, and serve. It's recommended to prepare this a few days before you plan to serve it. And we have as a special guest today, Matthew Gray. And Matthew has such an interesting background chef, uh, author, consultant. Well, he's done tons of things, travel expert. And uh, I'm going to let Matthew start off by telling us a little bit about his background. I think it's so interesting. Matthew, thank you for being here today. Oh, super, Maria. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So why don't you, uh, let's tell the audience a little bit about your background. You have such an interesting and long history with food, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up in a family that ate for every reason on earth. When someone was born, we would eat. When someone died, we'd eat. And every occasion in between those times, we would always sit down and eat and feast. Uh -huh. And so that created this little tiny little foodie boy um, who, when I was like three years old, would push our little doggy next to the stove so I could step up on him and see what was cooking on top of the uh, on top of the range where mom was. Uh -huh. So that that began the whole thing of of food and and uh, being kind of uh, freaky about food and just this whole lifelong thing that then turned into me becoming a chef. Uh -huh. And um, so food has been my life. It's love and it's affection for people and, and all of those things. So my, my life has kind of revolved around that. So, and I know you told me you're a chef. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your career as a chef? I know uh, you were telling me where you studied and things like that. Well, you know, um, right out of high school, I went on the road with the Eagles on their Hotel oh. California tour. Oh, and, wow. And then after that with Fleetwood Mac. Uh -huh. and, then after, and then after that, it was Pink Floyd. So I got a lot of rock and roll experience when I was very young and then went on to London to educate myself as a chef at the Cordon Bleu. Wow. And, and then eventually started cooking for people in the rock and roll world and Robin Williams and people in Hollywood and that kind of thing. 
So huh? my experience has been very, very colorful and very, very delicious working with people who love to eat. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. that's really, really interesting. Very interesting. So I know, I guess, progressing forward. So you have a book out that is, I thought it was interesting too, because I don't know that much about Hawaii, the food of Hawaii. And I mean, it's part of America, so we should all know a little bit about it. And I think it's interesting that Hawaii really has its own food culture. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. You have a book out that is um, a Hawaiian foodie, a foodies book for Hawaii, correct? For the state of Hawaii? Yeah, I recently released on Valentine's Day of this year, um, my book called The Ultimate Eater's Guide, Hawaii Edition. And the the reason I wrote that is because the previous many years, since 2004, I had a very, very successful food tour company called Hawaii Food Tours. But but because of the COVID shit show, it took the business down. And I decided I really needed to do something new and different that still had to do with Hawaii and the food offerings that it has. And Mm -hmm. I decided to write the book. And so it's been out for the better part of this year now. Wow. So tell us a little bit for those of us that aren't familiar with the Hawaiian food culture. I I know I've heard of some dishes, you know, and tried a little bit here and there, but tell us, um, can you tell us some dishes that maybe we might not be aware of or what would be like a real popular dish um, that you would have uh, or you would try as a local dish in Hawaii? There's a lot of Asian influence in Hawaiian cuisine. Uh-huh. And uh, there's things like smoked pork that's cooked below ground. It's called Kalua pork with leaves and then covered in sand and kind of smoked beneath the ground. That's yes. one of the most popular dishes. Okay. There are a lot of different kinds of seafood dishes. And of course, by now, everyone has heard of poke bowls. Yes, which, yes, that's all right? over the place. So it's tell everywhere. us, what's a poke bowl? Because I see there's franchise little places opening up now, poke bowls. So it looks like it's some kind of seafood with a salad. Is that basically what that is? It's kind of the Hawaiian take on the on Japanese sashimi in the sense that it's cubed fish. That's what the word poke means, means cubed. Okay. And then it's usually... Um, it has a little bit of soy sauce and sesame oil and seaweed and things like that. So it's almost like Hawaiian ceviche oh, and nice. people eat it. So it's raw fish and it's usually ahi tuna, but uh-huh. they, they now make uh, poke with everything, uh, especially yes. in Hawaii. You can get it with crab and you can get it with shrimp. You can get it with all different types of seafood, but primarily it's ahi, which is tuna. So is it always like mainly raw? crab oh, and all that stuff is that just overall? about always yep just about always so you that have to really kind of have that sushi sensibility of that yeah 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 i didn't realize that and it's served with you said seaweed and the different sauces for some reason i thought it may be like served on top of a salad or something no uh, if it's served atop anything, it's going to be rice because rice is the primary starch in Hawaii and that that whole general region of cuisine. So everything comes with two scoops of plain, simple, steamed rice. Um, it's funny because when I was in Los Angeles and, and working around the world as a chef, really the only time you'd have uh, white rice was to have with your Chinese food. Um, but in Hawaii, that is the primary starch. Forget about baked potatoes potato forget about you know any sort of other kind of interesting starch it's always plain white rice Uh, and is that 
I guess because I, I, you know, I know everything has to be imported into, brought into the country. So I guess it's difficult to get different things. Um, I think, or that's think that just the, in the culture. I think that the rice thing is a culture. Uh, because oh, yeah, because it's, it's Asian, right? You said exactly. it's Exactly. It's almost all Asian. When you go there as, you know, a non-Asian American, you you look around, you go, wow, this feels like Thailand or this feels like Laos or Cambodia. Uh And the marketplaces kind of reflect that. And so you see that in the beautiful faces that you see all over the place in Hawaii. You know, people like to use the term salad bowl, like uh, like a place is like salad bowl. Salad bowl, yes. Because it's more of a salad bowl in Hawaii than it it's a mixing pot or a melting pot that a lot of uh, here, you know, um, in most of America, people say melting pot, but in Hawaii, it's a salad bowl because all of the ingredients are separate. They have their separate flavor and their separate attitudes and personalities. Wow. Very interesting. So what would be, is there any kind of a, I've never really heard of like a dessert, you know, is there any kind of a typical dessert? I know the pineapples are so delicious. Uh, when you have a fresh pineapple in Hawaii, but is there anything, you know, a typical Hawaiian dessert? Well, aside from the uh, the wonderful tropical fruits that grow all yes. over Hawaii, of course, we have something called the malasada, which is right. the Portuguese donut. It's a, like a, almost like a beignet, if you're familiar right. with a beignet. Yes, but yes. It's, it's basically fried dough rolled in sugar or cinnamon uh-huh. sugar. And uh-huh. it's delicious. And, it, and so that Portuguese influence for the malasada has become very strong over the many years. Uh-huh. And, then, and then there's also something called shave ice, which is similar to what you would call shaved ice Hawaii we dropped the d and we just called shave ice and it's it's a fruit syrup over over very very light and fluffy uh ice and so those two things would be primarily the two big ones aside from mochi which is a Japanese influence which is a sweet rice chewy kind of flour right Um, and those things kind of lead the way. And of course, we have all the regular things like ice cream and cakes and pies right, and candy right. as well. Of course, yes, yeah. yes. But, uh, but it's always interesting when you go somewhere else to really experience that place, to experience the local, you know, the local flavors. So, you know, I'm sure it's America, so I'm sure you can find the traditional or regular American things, but it's really nice to experience what's different you know, why you're there, you're there to experience the place. You're so, so right. um, and what, is there any kind of like, you know, what we call street foods, you know, we kind of consider pizza, French fries. Is there anything like that in Hawaii? Yeah. The pizza street foods and, and the food trucks and so on like that right. are definitely a little bit different. So instead of the standard American stuff, you're starting to see things that uh, would be Middle Eastern and, Portuguese and Filipino and right. and things like that. So their uh, garlic shrimp is a huge thing in Hawaii. Also, mm. for whatever reason, I don't know why it's not like shrimp comes from the waters of Hawaii, right, but, right. but garlic shrimp has become a real big item off of the food trucks, wow. uh, which is funny because most of that shrimp is coming from Thailand or it's uh-huh. coming from Argentina or whatever. But it's just so funny how the food world um kind of changes from one place to another exactly Uh, it sounds like those donuts you mentioned would be a good like informal kind of street food thing that you can probably 
Yeah. Do you get those at a bakery or they're just sold in lots of different places? They are available at bakeries around Hawaii, but there are specific malasada places where you can go where they make them up fresh and hot and they're just uh-huh. so delicious. It's the kind of food, Maria, that you would want to have right now. You don't want to put it in a box and take it home and have it later when it's cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something that's made fresh. And when you can get it that way, it is really, really delicious. That's, yeah. Yeah. And I'm happy to share that recipe with anybody who wants to contact me. I could send them a recipe and we can kind of go. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We'll talk yeah. about, surely we're going to talk about where people can contact you. So um, I, you know, I know because you know, all during the pandemic, everybody was kind of stuck at home. So we were always trying to travel through interviews. So, you know, if we went to Hawaii, I know you had a travel business to Hawaii that was a Hawaiian, right? Kind of a travel. Hawaii food tour. So what what we did every day. Since 2004, we would feed, educate, and entertain visitors who came to Hawaii, take them around the island uh-huh. of Oahu is where I was located and introduce them to all of these wonderful Hawaiian and Asian cultures and the food right. and the people behind it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Cause as I said, I think people always, mi- I think people are always miss missing the fact of when you go somewhere, the beauty of going somewhere is experiencing living there and something like that, that you just said is a way to experience the local cuisine. So can you give us any tips on, so you were based in Oahu and you did mainly the foodie tours in Oahu? Right. The, uh, the island of Oahu is where Honolulu and Waikiki are. And that is the primary tourism base for all of the various different islands in Hawaii. And we were running Hawaii food tours since 2004. Thousands of people every year would come to Hawaii and like, just like me, they want to know where they should go and eat. So I would introduce them to the history and the culture and the flavor of the food. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So any like tips for travelers that are going there, you know, that might want to go there now, Oahu and uh, the island of Oahu? The biggest tip is to try as much local as you can. Do not uh-huh. go to any any chain restaurants whatsoever. Throw away your coupons for the Olive Garden and enjoy <laughs> what we have to offer. <laughs> yes, yes. I always yeah. say that really anywhere and follow the locals, right? If you can find out where the locals go, go to where they go because they're not going to the touristy places. That's right. And, you know, so much beyond just the food and the flavor. When uh-huh. you learn about food and you taste food at various places when you travel, you learn about the people. And yes. that is what I love the most about the whole food world because it helps me understand and learn about others. It, it definitely does. It opens up the history and, the, you know, all the everything that you would want to know about that particular right. culture. So it's so important to to definitely to experience it. I know I guess I want to touch a little bit about you also mentioned something about you do consulting um, something in relation to metabolism. Oh, yeah. Um, and eat. It- It's funny because here in my old age, after doing all of these food-related businesses and chefing for people all over the world and rock and roll bands and all that, I've I've learned so much in the scientific world about metabolic health. And so what I'm doing now is I'm counseling and helping people who need to lose weight 
or who want to get off of medication or who have been diagnosed with prediabetes or oh, diabetes yeah. or uh, diabetes type two. Yes. And I help teach people about what to eat, how to eat, how to lose weight. And I kind of take them by the hand and educate them about that, which is completely different from my entire world up until leading to this period yeah. of time. Well, I think, so, yes, I, I was going to say, I don't mean to interrupt you, but yeah. I think you know, once you're in the food industry and most of us start to realize, hey, this is really not that good for you and this is good for you. And, you know, I just have this feeling that there's, you know, the chefs are out there, but I think we really need to teach people not only how to cook, but to do just as you said, to be eating in a way that because people don't realize it. I mean, you, I know you know this, most of the time, a lot of the medication that they're taking is to combat the food that they're eating. And if they just eat in a different way, they're not going to need all that medication. And uh, unfortunately, I just, I think that the food world promotes eating in a really bad way. You know, it's terrible and it just makes people have to take medication because, you know, but then obviously, or they can go to somebody like you, right. They can counsel them mm -hmm. and let them know what they should and uh, shouldn't be eating. So. Yeah, the the entire medical world, unfortunately, doesn't really know much about the science no. of food. And the whole food world is all about um, uh, profit. And there's yes. a lot of there's yes. a lot of corruption in it. Yes. And I grew up as a chef and I grew up with flavor and color and a yes. food yes. architecture and all these things that are very important for people who love to eat. Right. But now I've, now I've learned, like, I want to live a nice, long, healthy life. Exactly. And I want, I want you and I want all of your wonderful viewers to also understand that aspect of it. So even if I could just shed a little bit of light on the attention that you need to pay for good health and get off those meds and yes. be healthier and happier. It's worthwhile. It, I, you know, not everything has to be a gourmet experience anymore. It doesn't. And people don't understand. And when you eat this gourmet sort of meals, you can, it's kind of like a sport or something really, you can do it maybe once in a while, but it's mm -hmm. not like a three meals a day type of thing where you're going to have this gigantic, you know, pasta meal or something. Maybe you could try it, you know, once a month or something just do, but the rest of the time, just as you said, you really need to be eating healthy. And uh, I ended up, I've ended up just researching more and more and more besides my culinary education too, and learning how to, you know, um, live a lifestyle that's off the med, that's not, you know, I haven't luckily had to do the meds, but I, you know, it, it's not really that difficult. It's out there and people like you are, you know, helping people to learn about it. And I think it's definitely well worth their time, but you're absolutely right. Because as you probably will attest to, you take one medication for one thing and it's going to cause about 10 other problems for you. So you're best to try to learn how not to have to take the medication because once you get on it, you're kind of usually hooked for life, unfortunately.
Yeah, you know, the doctors will, they'll take your blood tests and then they'll say, oh, you know, you have this or that, you need to take this medicine, whether it's like uh, for blood pressure or whether it's high blood sugar or whatever. Exactly. And the reality is, is that you don't need to take those meds most of the time. Right. If you change your diet, you'll exactly. be better. You'll reverse disease and you won't have to be on medications. How many people right now know someone in their family or one of their friends who's taking meds. Most people are. So, yes. You know, and I have a personal story because at one point in time, I was a hundred pounds heavier than I am right now. Oh wow! And I was on like a half a dozen different medications. Now, uh-huh. you know, I'm, I'm at a really healthy weight and I take no medications and I'm way yes, older than I used to be when I was yeah. on meds. And so, That's uh, you know, it's a real story that you can kind of right. reach out and help people with. And and it's, there you go. So you did it. So yeah. it's possible. I knew people think, oh, that's not, it's not possible, you know, because all the doctors and all, they make you think that it's not, but it, it really, it is, it is possible. And you're so right. And I think the reason that I try to really be careful with what I do and what I eat is because I do know of lots of people that are on so many medications and I see what it does to them, you know, and I was always afraid. I never wanted to, you know, to, to get like that. Cause I see what's going on with the medications, you know, take it for one problem and then it causes 50 other problems. Right, so, right. you know, you're better off to head it off at the pass. And, you know, as we're saying, if you don't know how to do it, you can reach out to somebody like Matthew that sure. will lead the way. You know, a lot of people think, oh, okay, I'm fine now. Now that the doctor gave me medicine for my diabetes or for exactly. my, my, now yeah. that they believe that that gives them license to eat all the crappy exactly. food. Exactly. They do. And it's just mm-hmm. so awful. I had one time when I went for an annual checkup, my blood sugar was up and I'm like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh. So I just tweaked my diet. And I was very adamant about it because there was no way I was going to make it, you know, keep going up and get into like diabetes or whatever. I kept doing that. I lost five pounds and it was back to normal. Thank goodness. So you just right. have to be adamant and, and I, you know, hopefully that's the way it will be. I mean, I know there are people out there that sometimes there are some types of imbalances, but I think the majority of time you can control it by what you eat and your lifestyle, you know, not sleeping enough. I think that affects blood sugar and all kinds of other things as well. But uh, just tweaking your lifestyle, you can do without all the medications and things like that. It's really, really important to do that. And yeah, you're right. It's not like you just take, oh yeah, I'll take the medication and then just, I can eat whatever I want. Right. right. Oh my gosh. So, you know, the human, the human animal, if you go back, thousands of years, we were a hunter and gatherer kind of society. And what's happened here in modern day in the past 50 to 100 years, we become this like constantly eating and constantly snacking society. We're not meant to eat 24 hours a day. And that's part of what contributes to the very, very ill health that people are experiencing now around the world. Exactly. You're absolutely right. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for all this. And before we're almost out of time. So I do want to tell people where they can find you and your book Mm. um, as well. Mm -hmm. So why don't you tell us your website? I'll put this on my website also, but um, for the Maria Liberati, the Maria Liberati show.com, but 
let's uh, if you can tell my audience. Oh, Maria, what a what a delightful time I'm having. Um, thank you. Uh, if people want to reach me, you can reach my website at hawaiifoodtours.com. That's tours with an S, plural. And if you're interested in, uh, if you're going to be traveling to Hawaii and you want to uh, get a copy of my Ultimate Eater's Guide, Hawaii edition, you can get it right there as well. And if you just want to email me and you need a little bit of support or help or assistance with your diet and getting healthy, you can do that as well right there at hawaiifoodtours.com. That's great. Matthew, thank you so much and much success. And be posted on anything you're doing. I'd love to have you back on again. Thank you. What a great show, Maria. I, I'm really, really satisfied that you're you're doing it for everybody. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Aloha. Oh, yes. Aloha. Thanks for listening to the Maria Liberati Show and joining us. And thanks to my producer, Britton Roselle, and this week's special guest, Matthew Gray. And as always, you can find me at marialiberati.com. And uh, if you are in the Valley Forge or Philadelphia area, at the end of October, I will be one of the celebrity chefs at the Taste Philadelphia event at the Valley Forge casino and resort center and that's october 21st and 22nd actor kurt russell will be joining us he has will have have his wine there so um and there's lots of celebrity chefs it's a great event lots of fun lots of good food good wine to taste also and unfortunately the show has not uh, been in existence for two years and it's coming around again they weren't able to have it for two years so finally going back again and uh, the last time we had it was at the valley forge casino also it's a great show lots of as mentioned good food wine spirits and also i will be doing the uh, lancaster food and wine spirit show at the beginning of november you can look online at gourmetshows.com to get your tickets for these events i will be doing a book signing and uh, sampling food from my book series the uh, basic art of italian cooking diaries seasons my latest book but the recipes will be from all my book series the basic art of italian cooking and many of the the other celebrity chefs there will be also sampling recipes so lots of and lots of great food there and you can also find me on instagram at maria liberati on uh, facebook at chef maria liberati on pinterest at maria liberati on my roku channel the basic art of italian cooking by maria liberati and on twitter at maria liberati and the website for the uh, podcast is the maria liberati show.com and let's see i also have a channel on youtube the maria liberati channel and a vimeo channel the maria liberati channel and as always as mentioned you can find my book series the basic art of italian cooking also my latest book the basic art of italian cooking diary seasons and uh another interesting book that i had the privilege of translating it's a book called how wine can change lives 
and it is an award-winning book in Italy. It's about these small mom-and-pop vineyards written originally by award-winning Italian journalist Laura Donadani, who's known as the Italian wine girl, and I was asked to translate the book from from Italian to English. So you can find that book on Amazon. It's a really interesting book. It's a different book. And uh, I know you'll love it. And um, my other interesting venture is I created the recipes for a book for tweens. So if you have any tweens, you know, that's usually girls from about 9 to 13 in your family. I'm sure they'll enjoy this book. It's called Graceland's Adventures. And it's about this little girl that she kind of has a nose for for news. She likes to be a detective, but she loves to cook with her family. And uh, my recipes are included in the book too. It's called Graceland's Adventures. And you can find that anywhere books are sold as well. Until next time, peace, love, and pasta.